0: Love Talk
1: Radio. Oh, Joe. This is an unlawful gathering. This is an unlawful gathering. The truth is out there. The truth is out there. This is the underground. This is new media. This is the underground. This is new media. Some fans, remember what's the
2: critical thinking hangar. Maincomb fans, remember what's the critical thinking hangar. Now here is
3: the starting lineup for the New York Rangers. And now here is the starting lineup for the New York Rangers. This is New York Rangers hockey. This is New York Rangers hockey.
1: This is New York Rangers hockey. This is New York Rangers hockey. This is New York Rangers hockey. This is New York Rangers
2: hockey. This is New York Rangers hockey. This is New York Rangers hockey. This is New York Rangers hockey. This is New York
4: Rangers. Good evening, and welcome to Blue Shirt Underground Radio. Prospect Day, Part Two blue shirt underground into darkness good evening eddie how are you doing very well hanging out my bathroom's
1: being redone it's almost done will be done tomorrow so everything's looking good hockey we're still talking hockey in the summertime i love it can't get enough
4: uh, I am very much forward looking to our next viewing party when I fly in and get a good look at your new crapper.
1: Yes, you can. Uh, it'll be much a much better experience than the last one. Let's put it that way. Like. Now I can flush the toilet and not have to stand there for 10 minutes waiting for it to overflow. Now you just flush <laughs> and leave.
4: It's the little things, Jim, that really make my life. <laughs> Are you, are, the entire bathroom is being redone now? The whole, the, the whole, entire,
1: whole shebang is all done. It's beautiful. Wow. My wife designed it. She's uh, she spent many hours designing just wow. the right bathroom to fit wow. into the whole Lake Ronkonkoma vibe, which is <laughs> basically, actually the bathroom is too good for Lake Ronkonkoma. That's how nice it is.
4: You may actually you may have to move the whole house out of Lake Ro because the, yeah. the bathroom is too good,
1: like it up. we'll just get the balloons on the thing and just take it all <laughs> speaking about up uh you know I've watched the movie several times. I like it. I'm sure you you have a daughter named Megan who's probably watched the show the movie right. right? <laughs>
4: I just have this vision of your whole house going up with all these with all these blue and red Ranger balloons.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> flying off into the Ranger. Uh,
4: yes, absolutely love that movie. Watched it with my daughter. Not ashamed to admit, cried like a baby.
1: Oh yeah, there's some uh, tender moments.
4: <clears throat> there, oh, the with opening, the-, the first ten minutes, I guess it was.
1: Well, yeah, and also. Also, when he starts thinking about his wife at the end, when he sits down, the memories—that whole bit. But anyway, just indulges for a second. Uh, Where the hell was I with this? Oh, I didn't realize that that Cub Scout
4: kid was Korean in the movie or out of the movie. And his, the kid was the the kid in the movie was Korean, or the kid doing the voice was Korean. The the, the kid in the
1: movie, he's uh, of. what do we say? What's politically incorrect nowadays? He's Korean. He was a China- He was a Chinaman. What's no, the most politically incorrect can I get? How do you- I don't <laughs> know.
4: No, but he was of Asian descent or something like that, and I didn't notice that. I never knew that either. They sure, they sure kept that on the down low. I have to say that the chat room went about as politically incorrect. Oh, my God. I love that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so
1: uh, I, that's my Up movie story. Also, the dog is cool, too. Doug. And just, uh, Hi there. Yeah, he's funny. Also, uh, more Up discussion. We should do a whole show on Up. <laughs> uh, if you notice. Now, I also am a big fan of Toy Story 3.
4: Oh, yeah, you're a big Lotso Huggins
1: guy, right? (laughs) I love Lotso huggin Bear because he he was mean. He's kind of like me. He's kind of gruff. Don't turn your back on me. I'll stab you in the back. But it's because basically I was thrown away as a child and didn't really get the love that I deserve. (laughs) And you smell like strawberry. And I feel like one big <laughs> giant strawberry. Mostly, because not many I people as... know that. Yeah, well, I think it's because you know all the strawberry shakes I drink. Right. But uh, in up as the uh, the why are we talking about the So I don't know. Well, I have to get it out. As the, the house is taking off, you see a little girl in her like a uh, uh, bedroom who sees it. And right right next to her is a little Lotso, which is his first appearance. This was maybe before Toy Story 3, so you actually get to see Lotso as he makes his first appearance. You can actually YouTube this and see Lotso for the first time if you're into him and you know. Wow. An Easter egg. An Easter (laughs) egg, yes. yes, Okay. (laughs) Now enough with that nonsense. Now that we got you know uh, uh, we got Russ Cohen.
4: Case. I think he's on hold. Do you remember his area code by any chance? I don't
1: know. Uh, Russ, R-U-S-S. S S. I I don't that know. Uh,
4: That's area code what what is it? What is this 1958? I don't know. Bensonhurst 90052. <laughs> <laughs> it's Murray Hill
1: 4. <laughs> Murray Hill 4. I don't
4: know. What do I know? You think I'm calling
1: this guy all the time? He's busy. Well, you booked. You booked this man. Booked. <laughs> I sent him a message on Facebook. You,
4: uh, you, you yeah. signed the
1: contract. Well, you usually. Uh, uh, and speaking of calls, last night we got cut off with Rock, and I apologize, Rock, but I could have. We could have went into the podcast, but Jim left, so the so Cock the blog talk just ended the show because the host wasn't here. All right. Uh, I don't know. I. I do you recognize one of these numbers? Because I think
4: I think do. Seven, seven one eight is Stan. So I'm going to guess that 8 five. Six, I'm going to guess that eight five six is Russ. So, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome back to the program, making his 113th appearance on Blue Shirt Underground Radio, the star of XM Radio, one of the creators of Sportsology.com, which is your source for anything sports. A man whose knowledge is unparalleled in the sport of hockey. The author of 100 Ranger Greats, The winner Classic, Strike Three, The Old Man in the Sea, which was not about Phil Esposito, and The Da Vinci Code. A man who is considered a sports maverick. He is a fan of the Mets, Jets, and sometimes the Rangers. A man whose dating career could be summed up by the words dump and chase. A man who gets his porch light shot out once a year by Marcy Braverman and had his hat crapped on by Janice McGuckin. And a man who once told Chris Nyland, those swim trunks are nice, try them on. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Russ Cohen. Russ, welcome back to the program.
0: Wow.
3: Great intro as always. And amazing powers of deduction figuring out which phone line I'm on. <laughs> well, well they're, they're always two up there.
4: <laughs> yeah, they're always <laughs> two up there. Well, I That's wouldn't my know point. If it was you or another caller, I mean, I would have hated, but I would have hated like hell to go through that whole intro and then had somebody go, Oh, yeah, this is Rosie in <laughs> Staten Island on my cell phone. Well, I mean, you could have talked up
3: with them, but, you know, you didn't.
4: So. <laughs>
1: Listen, it was it was our Pixar moment. We like to. Uh, we're
4: trying to
3: get
1: a deal with Pixar, let's say. Oh,
3: I see. What's well, a good we're movie? Constantly
4: it's trying fun. to branch out into pop culture here.
1: Yeah. It's all good. People just don't love us for our expertise. They love us for our little anecdotal crapola. And your new bathroom.
3: I get it. And yeah, they want to know what's happening with me, Russ. I can't, you know, listen. <laughs>
4: this is I don't know if they want
3: to know that much. But yeah, it seems like not. Jim did, so
4: that's good. Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I, lo- I love his stories. He can he he can he can pontificate to me for as long as he wants. I never get tired of listening to Eddie. <laughs> that's why I love him so much. That's right. right. That's why he keeps me yep. around.
0: All right,
1: let's get down to business. Let's get down to beeswax now. I now I, I was reading. Uh, that, 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 did you? This has nothing to do with the Rangers, but you uh, you did attend the prospect uh, camp, didn't you? Recently.
3: Yeah, yeah. The Flyers the last couple of days. Yep.
1: The Flyers. What the Flyers got anybody? I heard yeah. they. Oh, right, before you get there, I heard they signed some guys today. They, they signed Chelios, Niedermeyer. Nina
3: Mayor and uh... and
1: uh, what's-his-face, Fred Chiro. <laughs> No,
3: <laughs> No, uh, <laughs> their press conference was for LeCavier, Emery, and um, who am I leaving out? I'm leaving out somebody. Jan Who? Jan Denis? Uh, no, not Jan Denis, even though he was a recent <laughs> signee as well. But that's what they had their one press conference for. I was at Prospect Camp, and then I was on the phone for the – Hockey Hall of Fame, which is what you're sort of getting at, which included Fred Shiro, which was really nice, because I kept saying online today that I really wanted Fred to get in, and everybody else was saying, oh, they haven't voted him in yet, they're not going to vote him in, and it was nice that they finally did.
1: I wonder if there was any... I don't know. I guess because of the success of Ray Shiro, do you think that had any... I mean, Fred Fred Shiro's resume speaks for itself.
3: It does. I mean... Raised on a lot on his own, but it really has nothing to do with it it's It really has to do with the wacky voting of the Hockey Hall of Fame where they have eighteen board members and fourteen have to agree and and if they don't, then you don't get in and so I was told some crazy stories that I can't even tell you about, but how they go about the process because it's all secretive and oh well, that's you know they even say it on the conference call, so I get it but the point is. It took him a long time, but they did at least finally get it right. Because we all know Fred for for different reasons, but he really was an innovator, and and he was the first to have assistants. He was the first guy to do video, even before Roger Nielsen. Nielsen just took it to the next level, and and he he also had um, off ice conditioning. He he would do things a lot different than everybody else. So he was an innovator. He was great that way. Obviously, he wanted every level. He almost even got the Rangers a win, which was nearly impossible for that year. Anyhow, based on the Canadian team they played, but had them believing, so it just really did show how good a coach he was.
1: Yes, everybody remembers that series.
3: Which the Rangers, Rangers fans
1: always say the same thing. And we were rough in Game Two. I'm like, it doesn't matter. We were it playing Canadians. Matter.
3: They, they were, right. I mean, that was a juggernaut team. It was never going to happen. If right. you thought the if anybody thought the Rangers were going to win that series. It was just blind faith because there was no way you could actually think they were going to beat that team. Right, I was like
1: fourteen, so of
3: course I believed they were going to win. Yeah, I was a little yeah. older, but I, I didn't believe they were going to win. I just, I just had this.
4: Ah, you know, we're
3: always a bit of Nelly anyway. <laughs>
4: well, listen, wait, 30, thirty-five <laughs> years fact, later, he still never believes they're going to win. <laughs> you know, even fact, then no, he a... that is not true. And actually, <laughs> I will say one of the rare
3: times was in '94. Preseason, when I did believe they could win, it's been fleeting since then. Though there really haven't been many years, and so I have to agree with you on that. You're right about that.
1: Well, I always
3: feel there's a chance. Most years, I feel like there's a chance. Well, no, no, all right, look, there's always a chance, right? But no, well, go no I mean, unless you know that you're a last place team right out of the gate, the way the NHL playoffs work out. There's always a chance. But the thing is, I look at things sort of more realistically than that. So even like last year's team, I knew there was no chance. Now, the year before, they surprised me, right? They went an extra round. I still didn't think they were going to beat the Devils, and they didn't. But they did go an extra round. This year, I thought they would go one round further than they went, and they didn't. And I was actually being a little optimistic on my end. But
4: in the end result, you knew they weren't going to win this year. You were more optimistic about this year's edition than I was. I didn't think yeah. they'd get out of the first round. I really didn't.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, everybody gave up after they went down two games to nothing to Washington. It was
3: all over. Some people I did, know. and yeah, I did. was the and only did. one. It's, <laughs> it's got nothing to
4: do with giving up or having faith, in that they weren't that good. I
3: can't no, but
4: either with Washington. That's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, listen, that's the thing. Uh,
3: Washington wasn't either, and so yeah, there's 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 that at play too. So. It's years. I mean, you know, again, you you watch a team, you follow a franchise for years, and you sort of get a feel for how things are. It doesn't mean something magical can't ever happen because we've seen the things with things that it does, but reality is most times it doesn't. I mean, otherwise teams will win the Stanley Cup every year, and they don't. So you have to just sort of look at your team and see how they're building towards that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I just, I'm just a hopeless optimist, I guess. I get caught That's up in everything. Good. Well, you know, even when they lost to the Bruins, right? Mm-hmm. And when it was all said and done, I said, "Well, okay, they lost to the Bruins." But if I recount all the games, what there was two, there was two overtime games. There was one mm-hmm. game. Uh, I, I always felt like the Rangers weren't as far. Now I know it. In hindsight, it sounds kind of stupid to say as far away from beating the Bruins and being as good as the Bruins, because I think the Bruins are uh, a really solid team. I mean, they're, you know, they could, you know, this year, especially uh, with the addition of uh, that young guy, Jerome McGinley, and uh, <laughs> Louis Erickson, they they surely can make, they're back right back in it. You know, like you could say that's okay. They could make, you know.
3: Don't forget Riley Smith. He's actually a pretty good young player himself, so he He's another one that could start to uh, blossom there. And the immortal uh,
1: Tory Krug.
3: Yeah, I think people figured out Tory Krug a little bit. I, I yeah. thought he had <laughs> they too big a buildup. No, him. I mean, his some time people. and space. <laughs> That's how they figured him out. I mean, if you noticed after those four goals, he, he didn't score another goal because his time and space was just taken away. And I think he could play at the NHL level. He's not going to score like that. He's not even going to score close to that. So I think they, they caught lightning in the bottle for that moment. Russ, are you saying that
4: a head coach looked at Tory Krug's game and adjusted? Yes. Adapted.
0: He didn't even have to
1: adjust. What? The uh, Rangers would just have to. Uh, uh, Rangers would all collapse <laughs> around Lundquist, and he was open <laughs> at the point. That's it. <laughs> Coaches uh, do
3: adjust. They do get paid to do that. They'll even adjust period to period. Some do some stubborn ones don't, and I'm the just, ones that don't some, generally go juggle home. the, lines. <laughs> yeah, some juggle the lines there's all kinds of methods, you know, but here 's the funny thing and and this is and we'll bring it back to the Fred Shiro thing, so Fred Shiro was one of those guys that started to really do those things, matching up lines, having a, a lot of assistant coaches, having specialty coaches, all those kinds of things, and nowadays it's gotten pretty complicated, and I think. What can happen to a coach, even a smart one, even one that's been in the league for a while, is I think the game can actually pass you by, and if you don't reinvent yourself, then there's like a tidal wave and you're done, and, and I think that does happen to some coaches.
1: I could not agree with you more. I really couldn't. I mean, yeah, the game is has changed so dramatically that you know, and I'm not going to say his name, but a guy who won in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. This, you know,
3: this is a different
1: game now. And, it uh, you know, it, it's it's a different kind of animal.
3: Game's different. Players are different. I mean, even just when I was at Prospect Camp, the level of what I guess I'm telling people now, even online, as, as I'm watching, it is way more than I would have told you even when I first started writing on the Internet about Prospects. Because it's just, you know, it's gotten so to the point now where Everybody wants to know every little detail. Everybody wants to know the strengths, the weaknesses, everything. Tell me everything. So now we pretty much give you everything.
1: Well, now that you've mentioned the draft and the prospects, right? I, I kind of uh, what, what, uh, what was your evaluation on the Rangers draft? I know you we, weren't too hot on it. Uh, yeah, you
3: know, you know, I'll but, never give you a full evaluation until like three to five years because. But my initial gut feeling is, as they were doing it, was they did an okay job for what they had. Obviously, Gordy Clark wasn't totally thrilled with the table that was set for him. And if you looked at the quotes on on that day, one of them was the amount of great talent that he watched get drafted before him Ah. was sort of upsetting him. You know, because this was a really deep draft, and... It was a bad draft to start in the third round. It was. Because for those first two rounds, an amazing array of talent went by and I really thought the team would try and trade up into the second, but they didn't. So if we took if, if we look at what they what they did take, I guess you could do the game show thing and say, you know, we'll look at what they got and rather than what they didn't first. So like with Adam Tambellini that's that's a real project because even though his dad played in the league, he's a skinny kid, he's got offensive ability, there's no question about it, he doesn't have a lot of toughness. So at 6'2", 169, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while to see if he can round into an NHL player. So instead of that pick, there definitely were, were players there.
0: Now with, let me just nobody's that. Nobody's a
3: sure thing in the third round, though, so that's another thing to just sort of point out. Even in a deep draft, once you hit the third round, you are now rolling the dice in some way, shape, or form, whether you're taking the guy with the high offensive ceiling, but he doesn't play any defense, or you're taking the guy like this who you have to build up and sort of hope that the bloodlines come through. The risk gets much higher.
1: Well, let me stop you there for just one second, because mm-hmm. we have talked off the air about the Rangers sometimes – not all the time, but uh, kind of uh, doing the whole nepotism thing. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we, you know, we had a little talk about Ryan Bork and perhaps mm-hmm. now this, or uh, maybe do you think that played into it, or possibly uh, just for a, a change, bloodline?
3: I, for a change, I think it was more bloodline than than that. I think with Ryan Bork, it was what you said, and and you knew I didn't like that pick out of the gate, and boy, I don't think we'll ever see him. And so I think this one, I think, was a situation where the Rangers actually do a very good job of scouting the BCHL, and they're out there a lot, and I think they see something in this kid that maybe some others didn't, so based on his dad, they're going to give it a shot. And I can't kill him for that, because he does have good size, and he does have good hands, and he does have ability. He does. Whether it all gets put together... You know that's where we're going to see because, as you know, the toughness angle is is going to be a big one. The um, the kid, Duclair, is probably the one who has the most upside out of anybody they drafted.
1: And yeah, I saw that from, from the video uh, that they showed uh, from prospect camp. when I mean, he certainly got speed.
3: I he's mean, got but... speed. I mean, they've been drafting speed the last couple of years. You know, I'll tell you, and this is where you have to trust a guy like Gordy Clark. When they when they drafted Boone Eves, boy did I hear it. I heard so many people say, Yeah, he's fast but he's not this or Yeah, he's fast and he's not that and but you know what, he's going to Michigan, all of a sudden he is that. So he is turning into a hell of a player. Now everybody a year and a half into it's saying, Well, you know what? He looks like he's gonna be really good. So sometimes you do have to trust the guy where and, and speed is never a bad place to start. And you know, at five eleven, one seventy seven kid could even grow an inch or two. He's the youngest kid in the draft. If he wasn't the youngest, he was like the second youngest. He is 17, right? So that's so you you make him a long-term project. You definitely won't see him for 3 to 4 to 5 years, but you might have something there and that could end up being something. The one that they really went for the home run was with Pavel Buchnevich. Now this is your 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 Russian kid with all the fancy skills. He's got some size. But if you watch some of the, the video on him, I mean, he's literally playing in a league that has no defense. Zero. <laughs> on the biggest sheet of ice possible. And you have to take that into account, because for what you're seeing that's good, you have to imagine that, you know, can he do that when things get tight? So, And in Russian Junior League, I'm telling you, you go look at some of that stuff, and you'll see, it's just an amazing sheet of ice and nobody's really gonna stop you from what you're doing. And and that's where I felt like they could have gotten a guy like Jimmy Lodge, who's actually from PA here, six two, in the USA program, watched him play a couple months ago in a big game and he was he looked good. Ryan Kujawinski is a kid who's playing in the OHO, looks good. There were two or three guys, Oliver Borkstrand who who played with um Seth Jones and that great Portland Winterhawks team. Boy, I'll tell you, he He's a little short, but this kid can score like crazy and and has a little bit of a pedigree. All those guys could have been taken. They went with this guy. And and so this guy I think is the the longest shot of all of them. But then the next pick was the one that really made me sort of scratch my head and say, "Okay, I'm not even sure what we're doing here because they they took Ryan Graves." And I, Sometimes here's the thing that's happening now in in the NHL draft, and and I'm seeing it not just in the Ranger organization, but in a lot of them. And teams now are just sort of drafting guys that they believe will make make it into the NHL. So even if you're drafting in the third round, if you tell somebody in the Rangers organization, hey, he'll be a number six defenseman, they'll be okay with that now. Where before they they may not have been okay, might not have been okay with that. So now. That's the highest I can see this guy's ceiling. He's big and he's tough, and he doesn't have much offensive anything, so he's going to be sort of your defensive stalwart kind of defenseman if he makes it. So that's that's. But, again, the, while the Rangers are lacking offensive defensemen, even though in the third round you're certainly rolling the dice, you know, Malcolm Subban was there. Uh, Jordan Subban, sorry, Malcolm's the goalie. Jordan right. Subban was there now. He's a little short. He is. He's he's 5 foot 9, but the kid puts up points and he can play the position and we see how his brother PK plays it and you just I would have rather rolled a dice on the kid like that. Because the last time and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the last time they drafted for toughness on the blue line, they're still waiting for it, aren't they?
4: Oh boy. There With Dylan we
3: go. McElrath.
1: You <laughs> had yeah. to get the whole Cam Fowler. Or no, no, no,
3: no. I'm not even mentioning Cam Fowler, but I'm just saying.
1: Right, the it, hardest... it takes a long. It takes a long time to develop, it this special. Yeah,
3: it, it does. But that's my point is when you were trying to draft toughness on the blue line. To me, it's just easier to draft defensemen and get them to be tougher. Right. To sure. me, and and I could be completely wrong, but I'm, that's what I'm noticing the last few years because. I see guys that get drafted and they get tougher as they go on. I've seen McDonough get a lot tougher. We've seen Stahl get a lot tougher. Girardi, we've seen Girardi get a lot tougher. Right? He wasn't overly tough at the beginning. People were actually when he didn't when he didn't stick up for Gabrick that one time. I had to sort of come to his defense in an article. People were killing him. What was that about three four years ago?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Right, but now he's Mister Tough. Right, everybody loves the guy.
1: So. Oh yeah. You certainly become more physical. I don't know, you know. More
3: physical. Well that's it. I mean that's, well, all that's I'm what I really was talking no, about. I I think you're right yeah, I think you're
1: you're totally on to it. Is that it's harder for a guy like say like McElrath who is, you know, he'll stick up for teammates, he's got the mm-hmm. the whole fighting mentality, he's mm-hmm. tough. He's not gonna take any guff, but he's gotta learn all the other things that it takes to be a defenseman. Right. Right. Rather than a guy that, you know, develops toughness as he goes along, you know. Yeah, and that's and really what I'm done. saying.
3: Now, unfortunately with McElrath, I was um chatting with Andrew Gross at the draft and he got it right from the Ranger organization that his kneecap was really shattered. Shattered to the point of Bobby Carpenter, if you remember how he turned from like a fifty goal scorer to a ten goal scorer. Wow. Yeah. Back in the day. But he still played. <laughs> Yes. Now, this is on defense. Thank Espo. Thanks again, Espo. <laughs> <laughs> but the Rangers are legitimately concerned about how this kid's going to be on defense now with a kneecap that's that bad, even reconstructed. So I don't think you're seeing him this year. I really don't. I know, and, I, and I, it's funny because. Like, Ranger fans, the expiration date seems to be this year, and Ranger fans are like, well, we got McElrath, and we're, we're waiting to see him. And, and I keep trying to tell him, he's not the same guy right now. I don't think you are going to see him. So, and it's based on medical condition now. So we'll see. I mean, so that's that's where I, I would have tried to get an offensive defenseman. And then, as far as the goalie goes, I'll be honest, I've not even seen the kid play. Well, you missing
2: out on something.
3: McKenzie Scabsky, I, I will. I, uh, I don't think I'm going to drive to Kootenay to see him play, but I'm sure I'll. I'll get to see a little bit well, of him. I'll talk to Jess Rubenstein. Are you <laughs> kidding me?
4: I know. I He's was waiting to hear when the. I thought Russ was going to tell us when the Henrik Lundqvist era ends and the and the Mackenzie skapsky era begins. Right. Well, I
3: think Jess was a little high on. On Scott Stacier too.
0: Oh, huh? Jess was
3: a little
4: high. <laughs> now listen,
3: we, we prospect guys can jab each other. But but he was a little high on Station and then he also had injuries to overcome and, and he's really never become that goalie that I think he saw something in and, and so did the Rangers. So it's hard. So I don't again when you wanted a goalie in this draft, if you wanted one, believing that even though you're gonna sign Lundquist to what probably an eight year deal, you have to have somebody waiting in the wings. They don't have anybody. They have Cam Talbot, who happens to be the nicest guy in the world. Panini, the card company, is in Dallas, Texas. Cam lives in Dallas, Texas. These guys are in constant contact with him. He's in their office all the time. He's texting them. He's a pretty good goalie. But at the end of the day, I don't think he's any better than Chad Johnson. So I don't think you have anything more than a bona fide backup.
1: Okay. And I think, you know, I think me and you, and, and I don't think Jim as much. But I know that we both share I, – I feel like the Rangers really play fast and loose with their backup goaltender situation. I mean, you really got to have a competent goalie in there in case something knock on wood happens mm. to Henrik Lundqvist. And they've been playing this game, this this Russian roulette for years to, for me.
3: They've well, I think has get... been calming that down. I mean, he's the calmest that that game has been, if we call it a game. I don't think it's a risk now with Barron in there.
1: Do. You do? You don't like him? Yeah, I'm not very confident with him. I mean, look, look, look at his shootout against the Almas. I, I, I don't know. How old is he?
3: I mean, he's oh, an he's older guy. There. I think he's 37. So, I mean, you know, that's starting to come to a close, too. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, they
1: they need to be grooming somebody. and They, they, they do. Seem
3: each, each draft is just like, ah, you know. I told you my theory, or maybe I had never told you my theory about Ranger goaltending. They've been a fortunate lot because again, you can go look at the Flyers and other organizations that have really haven't had franchise goalies for years, decades. And they seem to find one every decade. Yeah. Right? You go go look it up, every decade they pretty much had one. But now yeah. that decade's drawing you know drawing near, like you said, and and now you really have to start looking at it because when that decade was drawing near the last time with, with Richter and they had Blackburn, well, you couldn't have foreseen the Blackburn injuries, and I covered him his whole rookie year, and he was pretty fantastic on a bad team. And it didn't work out, and they lucked out with Lundqvist, right? Because Chris yeah. Rockstrom knew what he was doing, but almost everybody else didn't because they took him in the seventh round. So, right. So this time they have to sort of be proactive, and they really haven't been proactive the last couple of years in drafting a goalie, and they still haven't. So, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do about that. Maybe they're going to do something similar to what the Devils did, but it's hard to predict that you're going to be able to do that and get a guy like Corey Schneider, who's fairly young, who could just step in and do the job when Bordeaux walks away. The Devils did do that, so they, they're getting away with it. But I think you're right. I, I, the Rangers have to get somebody, even if at this point they're just signing – free agent goalies from Europe, and they're checking them out. You have to do something.
1: I agree. And we have been fortunate. At, I'm sorry, Jim. I mean, you'll agree. We've been pretty fortunate as Ranger fans. I mean, you know, you went from, uh, uh, you know, we've started with Van Beesbrook. I mean, you know, if you're talking about, you know, uh, the whole run there, Van Beesbrook, Richter, and Lundquist. I mean, we've had a couple down years where it was, you know, John McClain and – uh Kirk McLean, rather, and uh, yeah, Kirk McLean, and then we had uh, Mike Dunham. Mike Dunham, uh, yeah, but then you know we've had very good goalies. Which other teams, you don't realize that they're in dead, you know, tumultuous goaltending situations, like the the Flyers there and every other team. You're kind of blessed in that respect. Mm -hmm. Other than that. What
4: was that thing so, uh, they put on the NHL network the other day? The Flyers have had 21 goal, starting goaltenders since 1997? Yeah. Somebody posted the picture in our Facebook group. Uh, and Marty Biron, before you put him out to pasture, he is a spry 35-year-old. 35, okay. But still 35. He'll be, he'll be 36 know. next month. That's fine. I mean, I think you can get
3: another year or two out of him. By fresh legs. <laughs> he's got pretty fresh legs because he was used to being the starter. <laughs> But I still think, yeah, I still think you have to worry a little bit in that regard. But I, I also want to talk about the Danny Christo situation. Because oh, the,
4: the I think, Christo kid was a friend of mine. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Now, now, let me just before you get started on on this guy. Go ahead. From what I've read, the Rangers think the Rangers think they absolutely stole this guy. Would you? So I'll let you go from there. What do you, What do you think?
3: Well, I, I agree that they stole him in the sense that it was a pretty. If they think they stole him, then they think the same thing of Christian Thomas that I do, that he's a real risk to even make it to the NHL, which I think I told Eddie a long time ago, and yeah, he sort of fighting me for the last two, three years on it. But all that said, it's not like Christo's a top liner either. I mean, I went back and looked at my original scanner report and how I've updated it over the years, and I have him as a third liner. So it's not like he's going to walk in and be a top-line guy. He's not. Now, I don't even know if he'll walk in at the start of camp and make this team either because he he really put in a good year last year after the frostbite, and, and that, that set him back just a little bit. He's got great speed, and, and I like his moxie, and I like his hockey sense, and he definitely could score, and he scored great at the college level. But you also saw that – Kreider was great, at the college level. They threw him right in. They didn't miss a beat. But then when the regular season started, the long regular season, college players do tend to have problems with that. So my feeling is I would want to start him in, in the AHL and let him sort of ramp up to it and see if he's going to be able to endure that many games because he might take a full year in the AHL. It's very possible. I think they got something there because I never thought Thomas was going to amount to anything at the NHL level. Doesn't mean he wouldn't play, but I just don't think he's going to be a consistent starter for anybody. Yeah,
4: you know. He's, he, go ahead, Jim. So no, I just wanted to say I think for Kreider they threw him right in and he was fine because he wasn't being coached. Then once he, yes. <laughs> once Tortorella got his hands on him, he was ruined. No, and I think I think I think I think there's a lot of sense to that because, but also,
3: the coach sort of knew, hey, I just. Right now, let me just throw this kid in. He's got momentum, and he was right to sort of leave it alone, and then he was wrong the next year to sort of pick out all of his flaws that he overlooked the year before when he was helping him. right? So all that said, I think Crichto will be fine this year. But a guy like Cristo, I think you're still looking down the road. I, I still think a guy like Jesper Fast would have a better chance of making the team out of camp than Christo. And look, and, and no slight to Adam Rotter who – Probably does the greatest cut and paste work on the internet, but he doesn't know these kids.
0: <laughs> he doesn't know
3: these kids. And, the best cut and
0: paste.
3: I mean, come on.
0: Uh,
4: awesome. With, 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 he can with compile
3: everybody's quotes and he can include mine too. It still doesn't mean he's making it out of camp.
1: <laughs> now That's isn't all I'm there say. chase with fast as far as the size goes? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he is Yeah, but I mean, he's been
3: playing against men, and he um, he he can get a little chippy, and he definitely can be more physical than. I remember having a conversation with Gordy Clark, and and he was surprised when he first saw him on North American ice that he was getting physical. So I, I think he's going to have a legit shot at making the team. Will he make it? I don't know. He might still need to adjust, and play a little AHL. But I think he, he I think he'll have a legit shot at making the team. So, and I would put him at a better shot than Christo, because when you're playing overseas for a couple years like that, playoffs, everything else, he's used to playing a lot of games, and he did well in the playoffs last year. So I think think he's riding in with more momentum than even Christo, which, again, it's nice to lead the WCHA in scoring, but you saw you could bring in the best college guy, and there's going to be an adjustment period most times in the NHL, just the way it is. Do you think
1: that the Rangers organization hypes their prospects more than most, or no, less I think it's than the name
3: I think it's same? I think New York tends to drive up anybody's like we see what happens with the Yankees, and I think that's sort of but I don't think the Rangers do it. I think it happens because if you have some success in New York, all of a sudden it catches on like wildfire, and you know we've we've seen that happen but I don't think they do anything more to, to pump up their prospects. And to be real honest, in this day and age, when everybody's got to watch the cap and everything else, everybody knows everybody's prospects. I mean, again, where you want to say, and somebody might want to say, hey, the Rangers stole Cristo from the Habs, the Habs sort of got tired of his act too, right? He's another guy who had to mature. So best way to get a kid to mature is to trade him. And so that's well, some something where... They needed to do that. They they basically wanted to do that the same way that you see Tyler Sagan getting traded to Dallas. It's, the, can, is Tyler Seguin a bad player? No. Is he still the same player? Yeah. They got tired of his off ice stuff, so they said, "Hey, you got to grow up. Go grow up there. We don't want to deal with you anymore."
1: Because the happens. reason I the reason I say that is because the day before the trade, uh, Gordy Clark was being interviewed there by uh, Jim the Laptop
3: Cerny. Yep. And
1: uh, Gordy Clark was going on a, I mean, a, a pretty long Christian Thomas. Oh, he's going to be great on the power play. He might make the team this year. He's what the what we need. Uh, uh, this and that, and and it was pretty long. It was not like your typical. Well, we like what we see, and he's about mm-hmm. ready to make that move, and then they wind up trading him. So I'm saying, I'm saying to myself, well, they must not think he's that
3: great. Well, I I think before the draft, you're always going to get your most glowing remarks from your director of amateur scouting about most of the players. You will. Because all those a lot of those players are in play. So yeah, you do before the draft everybody drives up everybody's stock. That's just okay. the way it is because you want to see what's out there, what's available. I don't think the Rangers necessarily soured on on Christian Thomas, I just think they saw Crisco and said, "Well, we think he's better," and so do I. So I think that's why they did it. Not necessarily. I don't think it's an indictment on Thomas. I think it's more of a hey, it's like an upgrade. I thought they felt like they upgraded. Okay.
1: Uh, okay. Let's uh, let's go. Now we've gotten the, the whole Danny Crisco. Uh, uh, Gary Christo and the uh, Christian Thomas thing done with. Now, uh, what about some of the other Ranger prospects? Uh, um, oh, you know, let's, uh, let's talk about what well, we talked about fast. What about Oscar Lindbergh? He was a the guy they got for yeah. Ethan Warwick. Yep. Uh, he's a big name in, in Ranger, the Ranger uh, uh, fan lexicon. They're always talking yeah. about him.
3: And, and, and I think, again, with Lindbergh, I don't see any more than a third or a fourth line talent. But I do see a guy that's close, and he's another guy, him or Fast or both, depending on how many guys they pick up and who gets injured or not before the season starts and who's still going through shoulder surgery or not before the season begins. He has a chance to make the team. I watched him in the World Championships. I thought he played pretty well. I think he's playing better and a little more physical than he used to. He's a good face-off guy. Again, I don't think he's a guy that's going to light it up offensively ever, but I think he plays a good two-way game. I think, in in that regard, he'll remind you a little bit of Korpakovsky. He's a little bigger,
0: mm-hmm.
3: but but I think I think he's a guy that definitely could contribute, and I think he has gotten a lot closer since last year. So I think I
4: think you have something there. And what about uh, Russ? What about uh, Saint Croix? Been hearing a lot about him. Yeah, he's a real good offensive
3: talent. The problem is I don't think he could play any defense, and I think that's what he's really going to have to work on because a lot of times when you're playing in junior hockey and you're big and you've got that skill set, you could pile up points. And if you look at his points, they're really good. But I think to transfer that and and be able to do something at the next level, you also have to play a, a pretty complete game. If you don't play a complete game, then you have to really be someone like Valerie Nakushkin's Skill set to get away with that because then you know you're expected to just score a lot. So I don't. I don't think he's a threat for this year. I still think if he ever makes it, he's a couple years away, and I don't think he's a
4: guarantee. I don't. Okay. What about uh, last year's first round pick, Brady Shea?
3: Yeah, Shea, I really liked out of um, World Junior Camp. I felt like he got the short end because. They asked him to play a different role. They asked him to sort of play a physical shutdown defenseman role because they had so many offensive defensemen. They had got the spear. They had a lot of kids. And Housley asked him to play that role. And I felt like he played it to a tee, and then he got cut. And I think it was just a numbers game. I liked what I saw out of him, and, and I spoke to him at length. And, and I also saw how he was sort of like the last guy off the ice of practice and was really practicing his one-timer like crazy, and that's improved a lot. So, because you know, you look at a rookie year in college, and especially at, where's he go, Minnesota, I believe. You go to a place like that, you don't get a ton of ice time. So he's not going to put up a lot of points. So if you want to just look at stats or people, you can't gauge his progress by that. But I, I'm seeing a lot of progress on the ice. With all that said, I think he's going to be two more years in college, and then we'll see what we have there. I think you're probably looking at three years away. Two years really flowery, three realistic. <laughs> It's it seems well. It does
1: seem like you know with these goal scores in you know in what are the you know in juniors mm-hmm. that it you know the stats can sometimes overwhelm you where you're going. Wow, this guy had 50 goals and 48 yeah, yeah. assists, and everybody gets crazy. But uh, you know, there's so many other factors, I guess, that go in. I mean, there's plenty <clears throat> of guys who have done well in, in juniors, and it just hasn't translated to the, the pros at all. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a
3: good example. Tyler Toffoli, who really did start to make his mark in the playoffs with the Kings this year, he was getting 50 goals a year. And I felt like he could score at the NHL level, and he's not going to be a prolific scorer, but he is starting to break through, and that's at 50 goals a year, 100-something points. So, and it still took him a while, a couple years in the AHL. So that's where, you know, you have to sort of, it's and it's not easy, and obviously if it were easy... Everybody would be a scout. Everybody would be making teams a million dollars. Everybody would have all the right players. It's hard to figure out when you're watching a kid in juniors, like let's say when you're watching Jonathan Duran, hey, is he something close to Sidney Crosby or is he closer to Danny Rusin? And I don't know if you guys even know who Danny Rusin is. Uh, we had him on the show not. last week, actually. You it's did? Okay. Very good. So he got drafted. He used to be Sidney Crosby's line mate, and he got drafted a couple different times, and he put up crazy numbers in Ramuski, too. But he never made the NHL because he just, at the end of the day, couldn't live without Crosby. Now, Drew Ann had to play, I want to say, 30 something games without McKinnon, and it looked real good. So I don't think he's going to have that issue. But you have to sort of look at that and say a lot of times, like if you get a kid off the London Knights, well, they've got a power play that's like a pro power play. They've got the Hunter Brothers who run that like a pro franchise. You have two, three lines of real good players, two good pairings on D. That's a lot of talent around, around these kids. So then you have to sort of look at that and look at that separately and say, hey, can this kid do it on his own? Because a lot of times when these kids are going to break into the NHL, and unfortunately like a kid like Kreider, who were his linemates?
1: Now, nobody can name him Nobody that
3: man. was going to make him better, right? Right. We all agree on that. So that's where and, – and nobody has a better skill set than Kreider, really, the last couple of years for a kid that size. I mean, he really does have a great skill set. But if you don't have the right line mates and you don't get ice time and you don't get power play time, it's hard to get points in the NHL if you're not in a top two situation, you know, top six situation. So it is. It's the hardest thing to figure out. And I think that's also why, at the end of the day, a team like Colorado went with McKinnon over Seth Jones because they said, you know, if we got a guy who can possibly score 100 points a year, like I think Joseph, Joe Joe thinks, you mm-hmm. gotta you gotta try it because it's harder to get that 100 point guy than it is to get that 35 to 40 point defenseman.
4: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. and you know, Colorado is you know, at least from you know. For me, it's an offensive. They have some offensive skilled people up there, you yeah. know. So you know he'll have players to play with. I right. j just going over the the past draft just
3: briefly,
1: yeah. uh, going over the top maybe five picks. Were there any surprises for you? Were there any uh, was there any craziness? yeah? I
3: think I think Jones dropping to four was a little of a surprise. McKinnon wasn't, but I'll tell you, it's always fun. I was doing. Um, a mock draft on CSN Philly, and I'd, I'd done my own top 30 for most of the year on XM, and it was on my Sportsology site. And But but on the other ones where, like on CSM Philly, where you're actually doing a mock, and you're trying to predict what teams are going to do, it's funny when you read remarks. Like, you guys get remarks on your site, so you know, and in the chat room and everything else. And two guys told me to get off the crack pipe. One guy told me.
0: <laughs> that that one, was one me guy, Eddie.
3: Yeah, I figured. And one guy, told, one guy told me, and grant you, when I posted this mock draft, it was about six, seven hours before Joe Sackick said his famous, well, we're probably not drafting Seth Jones speech, one guy said, I will bet my house that Seth Jones will be an Avalanche. And, I, you know, I wanted to go back the next day and say, hey, where are the keys? But it was still not even the draft day. And then on draft day, I really wanted to do it. But I felt like Jones was kind of interesting because there was a USA press conference that I was at for the Olympics. And David Poyle's the GM, the Nashville GM. And so he he points at Dale Talon because he's announcing his whole staff. And he goes to Dale Talon. There's the guy who's going to draft Seth Jones second in the draft. And Talon doesn't even say boo. He just smiles and waves at the crowd, and that's it. And Poyle ends up with him, right? And so, so at the draft, I asked Poyle, I said, was he trying to employ some psychology? And he goes, yeah, I think so. And he goes, but Dale didn't really bite at it, but yet he ended up with the player. So... I thought that was kind of uh, a really interesting thing. I thought Nikushkin going down to 10 was even a little further than I thought he would fall. Pulak falling to 15 really surprised me. I have him as the second or third best defenseman in that draft, and and I stick by that. And I think the Islanders actually got something really good in Ryan Pulak. So that was was really smart. I mean, again, Zach Chukali going early second. Originally I had him going early second, and then I had him going late first because – just the way guys were sort of going where I thought they might fall, and so that wasn't a big surprise. But Hunter Shikurik was a guy who we all sort of knew was going to drop. He didn't take an Angelo Esposito drop, but he still he tumbled a bit too. And and it's really not his his fault. It's funny because sometimes you could really pigeonhole a guy who you've been watching for three or four years. Like if I if I were critiquing you guys on your show. And I was watch and I was listening every week, which I don't. But if I did well, thanks.
4: I why the hell I could, not
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: But if I did, I could really nitpick the hell out of you guys for the oh, last three God. or four years of shows, right? If I went back and I and, and actually reviewed them and then had to give you like a Zagat kind of review.
4: Oh terrible. You should see our Yelp reviews would actually happen. Right, Eddie, you should see our Yelp reviews.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's
3: terrible. <laughs> but you guys get what I'm saying. So it's one of those things where I think sometimes that happens to players. So but I thought it was a fun draft. I mean,
4: I I'll tell you, the
3: best the best draft story I literally have is I we had equipment go wrong. We are doing a live show. I did it for um Cardboard Connection Radio is one of our shows and, and we have a blog talk channel too and so I ended up doing about 3 4 segments cuz after I got the equipment squared away we we did the segments I we go down we cover the first round we come back we do a little more we're doing interviews we're going crazy we go I get back downstairs and it's probably fourth round fifth round and I was just hanging out with the XM guys that I know cuz I just I was chilling I had done tons of interviews that day I was pretty beat and it might have even been fifth or sixth round and so we getting into that seventh round and all of a sudden, the uh, the producer for the XM show goes, hey, I think the Devils just acquired a seventh-round pick. And I went to the producer of the show, who I know, and I said, hey, they're going to get Brodeur's kid. I mean, because I thought all day it would be either the Rangers, the Devils, or the Canadians. I said that early, that one of those teams would get him. And so it was fun to sort of see that happen. And then Brodeur actually went up on the podium with his kid, and he had to answer Cory Schneider questions, which was funny. But But that was a good moment because – I don't know if Anthony Brodeur will play in the NHL. It's too early to tell. He's got some talent, but we'll be all it, put together. Is Who he technically
1: Brodour's kid or, or is it an uncle? What, well, how does that work? It's his kid. Leave it alone.
3: Oh, oh you're point, very protective of Marty. Oh. Listen, but the point is, it was it was a good moment, and it was at the very end of the draft, and you actually had to be around to sort of see that happen because. Let's face it. Sometimes people leave after their first, second, third round. So you, you know, in the media, so there weren't as many people around that could have been to see that. And, and like I said, I felt like that was a yeah. I mean, I guess yeah, That's fun. a nice
1: perk. I yeah. mean, you, you unexpected uh, memory there that you know yeah. you hung around. You're all exhausted. You're doing remotes for your cardboard connection thing. You, you could throw us a bone and maybe call us, and while we're doing our live <laughs> show, nothing. <laughs>
3: Did you <laughs> ask me? Actually, to be very honest, and, and Mark Rosamond's listening, he tried to get me three or four times for the spot that I do every week on WLIE, and I just totally
4: crapped out of that, too. <laughs> uh, well, well, Mark Roseman, he he's the one who – Eddie and I were were, listening, were were on his show, and he well, said, possible. oh, there's no way Tortorella's getting fired. It ain't happening. You guys <laughs> are crazy. He's staying. Why would they get rid of him? It'd be a mistake. Oh, forget it. We but you know, I didn't p- feel that
3: way. I I I set him straight on that before, because he 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 took that tack with me too. Like he didn't think it was going to happen. But no, I I felt like it was it was going to happen. But I think right now the Rangers are at the point where their offseason pickups were good. We'll see um we'll see what they get out of the team. I mean obviously they'll have a new coach so that's that's a plus the fact that they'll have two assistants is a plus i could tell you one more right. plus about Ulf samuelson and i think it's a real plus i was talking to um a flyers prospect robert Hag, who played in moto this past year for like half a year and Ulf was his coach and and people were asking Ulf about people you know asking what kind of coach he is and and did he try and change him to his kind of player, and did he get him to try and play tougher? And he goes, no, he actually didn't touch my game at all. He he respected my game, and all he tried to do was sort of mentor me and, and get me to improve, but not to not be something I wasn't. And I, I think right there, that's a positive. Because I always felt like Mike Sullivan always wanted you to play his way. And if you didn't play his way, then you didn't play.
1: There's a lot of a lot of like I hear a lot of mumblings that he was probably more difficult to deal with than Tortorella. That's well, I think I'm
3: they thinking. played good cop bad cop. I think they did that. So I don't they want to put it all. Man. What was
4: the good cop? Exactly. They were both yeah, bad, cops.
3: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> were both bad the, cop in the end. But I think who that's who was the good the,
4: cop, Ben Wilder. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: yeah, because you don't hear any complaints out of him.
0: Long, long they great. kept
4: him. I mean, he stayed, He was probably hiding in a closet when everybody was getting fired. You know, just, nobody knows I'm here. The goaltender's fine. Let me let me he ask He has you, the safest job. A quick. Uh, do you think they made the right choice with the coach?
3: I think they like made the a good choice.
4: choice?
3: I, I like the choice. I would have liked Lindy Ruff better because he knows the market better. I think the, he'll certainly be better with the media, and the fans will have a, I, I always think the coach has to communicate through the media, to the fans, I do. Because I think Ranger fans were just feeling sort of left out. They wouldn't get any information. Nobody knew what was going on with Michael Sauer. Nobody knew a lot of things, and there were a lot of just mysteries. And and I think there will be a lot less mysteries, because Vigneault will tell you where it's at. Now, he's not that different from Tortorella. He's not. The only difference is, though, is that he's going to have other assistants that will help him, and he isn't going to try and change everybody. And that is the one difference. So, in other words, Rick Nash will get to play the way Rick Nash should get to play. Not play defense first, Rick, and then you could do whatever you want. So I think that's going to ultimately help them right out of the bat. <laughs> uh,
1: what about the Scott Arneal assistant coach? He's had a little bit of problems with uh, Derek and
3: Yeah, that's going to be interesting. We'll have to see how that one plays out. I I think Broussard's a good player. I think you really saw the top end of Derek Broussard when he joined the team and and got through the playoff run and everything else. We'll see when the regular season starts how Derek Broussard is, because I still think he's somewhere in between that player and maybe his second or third best year in Columbus, which is still a pretty good player, but he doesn't play defense. I think we all saw that he doesn't play much defense. So – while I like Broussard, he's he got some holes in his game, but I think he's still going to be pretty valuable. I think the biggest thing the Rangers are going to have trouble with is identifying who should play where on defense. In other words, we know Mark Stahl is going to have some loss of vision. He's admitted it. It's not all going to come back. I don't think it's to the point where Brian Berard was, but there's definitely something there. And so you have to wonder, will Mark Stahl be able to hold on to that number one spot? I don't know. If it were me, I might have to think about that and maybe think about even putting him down on the depth chart a little to number three and maybe making McDonough the one if it looks like he's changed a little. We won't know that until he hits the ice and and you see him, but that's something where I don't think Ranger fans should be shocked if all of a sudden he looks a little different because he is now going to have to battle that the rest of his career.
1: Right. And, uh, you know, it, it's definitely going to make... Do you think the Rangers are going to make any deals? I mean, it seems like they've got a lot of players.
3: I think they're yeah, going got... to... I think Boyle and Pyatt will, will leave town.
1: Oh, thank God. I,
3: that's what I think.
1: You just made Jim's week.
3: Well, because I don't wow. think they're...
1: <laughs> Man, this is Mormon Tabernacle
3: Choir think... is uh, very <laughs> vociferous tonight. They're yeah, right I don't think they're kind of, of players. I, I think Tortorella really got... The most out of Boyle because of the shop locking and everything else. And Vigneault is not like shop locking first. So I think at the end of the day, he will see that he needs to get more guys that can play a skilled game than rather than just shut down defense and worry about not scoring because we'll just we have a goalie and our goalie will just stop everything. Yeah. You, I honestly see that that's care less about for Taylor
4: Pyatt It's it's uh, Pyatt, I could care Ooh. less if he's back or not. <laughs> I but I, think I don't care. If gets, back. He's I like to pick up a Dominic
3: Moore, though. I do like to pick up a Dominic Moore, not because he's been a Ranger before, because I think Ranger fans get too crazy about, oh, he's back. Because if you go and look at most of the time when players come back, most of the time they don't come back the same player. But I think Moore will because I don't think he's any worse than what he was before, and I think he still has speed and he wins faceoffs, and I think that's something that is going to be helpful because I think he'll be the Jeff Halpern next could have been if Tortorella didn't screw around with Jeff Halpern's game because you saw that he was fine once he left. So I think...
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. Right? Yeah. But I think Dominic Moore will be good.
1: I, I think Dominic Moore's got... I think he can be better offensively than Halpern, and you're right, though. He's good on face-offs. He's a good penalty yep. killer. Yep. I'm rooting for, I mean, and who isn't rooting for the guy to succeed? I mean, you know, after yep. what he went through. So uh, I'm, I'm, Pretty I'm terrible, on board yeah. with... Yeah, I mean, I'm on board with that. Um, you know, and uh, you know, with Vigneault, do you see, is there anything you can tell about his style that you can relate to the Ranger fans yeah, out there? Yeah,
3: the I underground? Can. Um, my The guy who I do my XM show with for the last eight years, Shane Malloy, he covers the Vancouver Canucks, so he, he's been talking to my ear about Vigneault for a while, and, and it's mostly positive. I mean, again, you look at that team and they, they were a perennial playoff team. I think I think he's got to adjust his style of coaching a little bit, too, and I think he basically was playing some favorites in Vancouver. I think he also had trouble with some young players, like Mason Raymond was a you know pretty good prospect for them for a while, and now nobody's picking him up. And while he did get a plus out of Alex Edler, he got some minuses out of some other guys. So I think he's a 50-50 as far as, how he's going to work with, with some of the youngsters. But I think, like I said, I think just the fact that he's going to let guys play their game as long as they play it the right way, I think the right way is okay. I think it's when you go over that line and say, well, you have to do this this way and that that way, then all of a sudden you're, you're hamstringing guys because you know, we saw that even happen with Gabrick where it just became a, a sticking point where Gabrick didn't want to stick around anymore. So I, I think... That will be the biggest help to the Rangers. But are they that much better otherwise than last year? No, not yet. But young talent, young legs could help that. And that's where you have to sort of wait and see because I don't think they got any worse, but I don't think they necessarily got any better other than just changing coaches.
1: Well, I I, I mean, again, this goes back to my optimism. You got Chris Kreider with the coach that uh, understands what type of player or will come to understand what type of player he is. Uh, yeah. You've got certain other guys. Maybe perhaps Michael Delzato doesn't have the fear of God in him that mm-hmm. he's going to make a mistake. You know, Coaching through fear, to me, doesn't work, and I felt like that was uh, that was Torts' mantra, and I think a lot of these guys were afraid to make mistakes. I they were afraid, in, and
3: it wasn't because he was an ogre either, because really with the players, he wasn't. McDonald gave me good insight into that when when we did the book signing with him, but it was the playing time fear. Definitely, ah. So yeah, it has might. no bearing so,
4: on this conversation whatsoever. But Russ, I don't know if you heard yet, but Sean Markham is going to have season-ending surgery on Monday. <laughs> That's just this just in from our Mets sport, our, our Mets well, news desk.
3: What I have to say about that is. It's probably best for both sides. He was going on an Anthony Young kind of run. And so while I am sad that he might not be able to challenge that record now, <laughs> it, it's sort of par for the course for the Mets when they dip into a guy that's had multiple arm surgeries. That That's what usually happens. They get another one.
0: Right. Is, right. He, uh, is
1: he the son of Ray Markham, former New York Ranger? Because that's about the only Markham I know.
3: <laughs> I, just don't, I don't think so. And he's not from Markham, Ontario, either, so don't go there.
1: I am a, listen, I am a Mets fan. I, I was really into the Mets. I, and I, I know people get crazy when we start baseball here, but just for a second. Hey, listen, if we can talk about oh, – up, we can talk about anything on the show. Right. Uh, with, the, with the Mets, like, I casually – like, I used to be so into them. And then something happened. Like, I wised up, and now I casually <laughs> watch them. Every time I wise, every time I watch them now – it's always in extra innings and they
3: always lose. Yep. Well, not always. They won last yesterday, right? But yeah, you are
1: right. Oh, I did. That was the 14th inning when I saw it on the encore, then I just figured
3: they lost <laughs> because they're
4: bullpen. <laughs> no, and, and, Russ, and it's we true. Were, oh. I, I just yeah. want to tell you, we were actually on the air when Santana pitched his no hitter.
3: A legend no hitter. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey,
4: I mean, come on, guys. We Let's the be real. One.
3: I know. It's in the book, so we'll leave it at that. Yeah. But, well, but
4: uh, I, mean, I will
3: say this. You a Hall of Fame, so we gotta, we got to
1: defer plus on
3: this. <laughs> I will say this, and then I'm going to get cut out. Um, my best friend in the world did give me the greatest analogy. My I, What I always relay to my wife when Matt Harvey's pitching is, you know, she goes to sleep and she wakes up and she's like, how did he do? And I usually say he didn't lose. Right, because usually the Mets lose the lead for him, where he comes out and has no decision, and and that's the way it goes for Harvey. He doesn't lose a lot of games. But my best friend sort of said, and he put it in very good context. He said he's having a Craig Swan year, and he really is.
0: <laughs> because if, when
3: you were, he led you led the league in ERA. Yes, he led the league in ERA. What did he have that win year? Like nine, Probably twelve eight, wins. Twelve.
0: Something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: Craig Swan. <laughs> Actually, I was mentioning him the other day. Yeah. So I think that's the kind of, although, and this is my last thing, and this is what you should never do. And I think the Rangers have gotten away from this, which is good, but the Mets clearly haven't. Did you see the post today with Matt Harvey? I was being told that there's like a three-page spread of Matt Harvey in decked-out clothing. And uh, and one of the uh, quotes was that, the feature that's best about him is his eyes, and when he wears pink shirts, his eyes really pop.
4: Great. another
3: I leave with that.
1: But before you I just want to get to quick thought. Quick thought yes. on the Brad Richards thing.
3: Okay, so my quick thought on Brad Richards is basically they did the right thing. There was no way I would have amnestied the guy either. He came in not great shape. He never got into shape. Then you play him with lesser players. It got to the point where if you were going to sit him in the playoffs, you should have sat him at the beginning of a series, never in a game that's a deciding game, and then you never put him on on the bottom six when you're trying to get something out of him. I would have put him immediately with Callahan and at least say, hey, with all the loose pucks that Callahan gets going, Richards, if he's not going to get points here, then he'll never get them. But he never got that opportunity. So I think he has to get that opportunity this year because I think when you look out at the prices, how they've gone up, what could they have really gotten with that cap space if you cut Brad Richards? I don't, you know, I don't think it's a hell of a lot. I mean, you go look at the LeCavier situation, and while Tampa has gotten out from under because it really was a long-term deal, I still think the Flyers are going to get three good years out of LeCavier. So I still think there's a couple of good years potentially in Richards, depending on what his off-season training is like, because he never was fast, and now he actually, if he wants to stay in this league, he does have to get faster. Okay, yeah, Russ. Well,
1: thank you so yeah.
4: much for joining us. Thank Jim, you guys are always pl- the best.
1: Jim, wasn't it a pleasure having Russ on?
4: It's always a pleasure having Russ on. He's How come like you don't the, write him? Oh, go ahead. when he comes on, you know it's it's comfortable, it's casual. You know, he's it's, he's <laughs> like he's, an old shoe. I'm like an old like shoe. Like a, you're better than an old shoe. Okay, well, I
3: appreciate that. <laughs> like the old easy oh, well, chair.
4: There, there you go. All right, All right Russ. The we'll, hey, we'll Russ talk Cohen. to you soon. And uh, Thanks, enjoy the rest of your summer. Take care. All right, you too. Yes. Bye. Bye. The one and only. What were you going to say? How come I don't do a write-up for who? You should have an outro for him
1: too.
4: An, an outro? <laughs> well, you have the big
1: intro for Russ. And
4: uh, well, I put a lot. Of, I put a lot of work into those intros. Oh, that was good, though. That was good. I like that. <laughs> so I have a. I have the, the. You know. You know. Now it's become a thing. So I have this. You know, I got to live up to it. So. You're even referencing every,
1: uh, other people in it. Marcy Braverman got in it. Janice McGuckin got it in it. Yes. Very good. Very good. Uh, you you want to see if Stan wants to talk to us?
4: Two nights uh, in a row. Let's see. Yeah, i got to get, get out of it? here in a minute. But Stan, are you, you want to talk or are you just listening?
2: Uh, I don't know. What do you want to talk about?
4: <laughs> well, I don't know. Last uh, night you called with nothing. You said you had nothing to talk about. What do you about. mean? Wait a second. <laughs> you weren't even here. I was he listening wouldn't... on the phone. I, oh. I, got in the car, I had to go out last night, so I got in the car and put it on the phone, and I heard, so, Stan, what do you want to talk about? Well, I don't know. Nothing. <laughs>
2: uh, we had a chat for about 10 minutes, anyhow. Anyway. Yeah, yeah he, of
4: he, course. He, he, he threw topics at you. Once I
2: got going, yeah. <laughs> you me we're while talking warm about up Craig my
4: Swan. Have you ever seen the movie Up?
2: Uh, what else? No.
4: Did you know the kid was Korean?
2: <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about.
4: <laughs> do you want to see? Do you? Do you? Have you ever remodeled your bathroom? I, I'm yes. throwing all the topics at you that we've done tonight.
2: Yes, uh, we remodeled two bathrooms about uh, seven years ago.
4: <laughs> see, there you 25 go.
2: Twenty-five really? K. How much? Twenty-five K for two bedrooms. Uh,
4: Whoa, living oh. large over there.
2: No, that's about average.
4: Wow. Really?
1: I got somebody cheap then. And well, he
4: got. <laughs> Eddie went down to Home Depot and found one of the Mexicans in the driveway.
1: <laughs> come uh, on, come on now.
2: Are the guy standing on the street corners. <laughs>
4: uh, now you guys have bonded, I see. <laughs> no. <As laughs> Welcome of to that, this old crapper with Eddie and
2: Stan. <laughs> on <laughs> Bonk Bonk. Bonk. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean they. they you know, we, we were had it where you know they tore down the walls. I don't know if you're doing that, mouth.
4: Yeah, we got the whole thing. Oh,
2: the whole, the whole thing. thing. All right. Oh yeah. yeah.
4: So what are you doing? Well, Running up to the Seven Eleven to go to the bathroom?
1: No. Uh go go We have a downstairs bathroom. We have the outside. It's uh, the outside? We have the... great outdoors. <laughs> I. It's
4: good enough for our ancestors.
1: Hey, listen. You got to do what
4: you got to do, and. uh oh, I, picture is... you, why, I picture you. I picture you heading for the. Out. Wait. I, wait, I have this vision of you like. 7 o'clock in the morning, headed for the outhouse with the half moon, or the crescent moon on it, with the news day tucked under your arm, and, you know, you're in your robe. <laughs> and then there's a sign, you know, Occupado, you hang on the outside of the door. And... Oh,
2: God, you're
1: really
4: you're killing me. Coffee, Subway, got the sandwich.
1: I oh, might boy. oh, not even open up at that time. What are you talking Outhouse. I mean, I live in the boonies, but not that boonies. Well,
4: you said you were calling outside, so I don't know. <laughs> what? I'm a man. I could go
1: behind a bush. I could go by, you know. You got to make my card. Yeah, we, we're
0: <laughs>
1: <short>. <laughs> Whatever you got to do. Oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, did anything Russ say, uh, Stan, uh, shock you? Uh, uh, anything new? Did you glean anything from
2: that interview? Uh, nothing new. I mean, uh, you know, we had yesterday's uh, conversation, today's, as far as yeah. the players, I mean, you, it's at least three, four years for any of the guys that are just drafted. Three minimum. so, uh, you know, you don't know. And as far as, uh, I, maybe, uh, Rubenstein was talking about this yesterday, you know, a lot of these kids, you see they're like 170 pounds. It doesn't mean anything when you're 18 years old, because none of these kids have filled out yet. I mean, you could have even seen Seth Jones as, like, you know, the top prospect uh, in, in the world. And this kid, he, as big as he is, he hasn't filled out yet. In two years, he'll be 20 uh, pounds heavier. That's what it right. is when you're 18. That's when a man just starts to, you know, naturally his body will fill out. Plus, these guys, they're adding, you know, weight training and, and nutrition and stuff. So, if a kid's, you know, uh, 170 now, and in two years, he'll be 190, 195. So, that doesn't mean anything as far as I'm concerned. And a lot, a lot of, of times
1: Yeah, I I am still filling out. <laughs> it's the wrong way. <laughs> still, Are you still I'm growing up at a certain
2: age? I mean it's just ridiculous.
1: But uh Yeah, you know, it's better that they're underweight that and, and and I've talked to the, the guests tomorrow we have Leslie Treff where she's gone to the combine and guys were overweight. Like they thought they, they didn't have enough muscle mass or, you know, Overweight. I remember her talking about Chris Stewart. there's an actual point at the combine where they take their shirts off, and yeah. everybody goes, "Look at him, And they were like, "This guy's fat." You know, like that's more of a concern than a guy. You know, you can always put muscle on, and you always can gain weight. Uh, as that I, happened
4: to me at the Internet Radio Combine. You gained weight or you gained muscle. No, I took my shirt off, and I said, "This guy's fat." <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, come on,
4: Jimmy. Was the, you see I, I've seen you naked. You're quite built.
2: <laughs> headed for the, you, want, you head, want to rephrase that now?
4: <laughs> headed, headed for the outhouse with the newsday under my arm at seven o'clock in the morning when I was staying at his house.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Uh,
1: all right. Up. I hope it was informative, Stan. Well, tomorrow night, Leslie Treff will talk probably about the prospects, but more about what's in, in the AHL. Uh, uh, with the wolf pack and how the players there and a whole host of other things. Uh, uh,
2: one, one other thing. He was talking about uh, McElrath's knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, know is... I, I heard the Gordy Clark, and he said, you know, his knee, he's almost 100%. He also said McElrath was absolutely scary. So... Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know, obviously, but he says his knee is almost 100. Uh, percent And uh, Russ was talking like he's a guy can get up and down the ice now. It's kind yeah. of two different points of view.
1: I think Leslie will be since Leslie watches. I mean, live a lot of the Wales games last year. She's really good. I'm not saying Russ isn't good. Russ, Russ. First of all, Russ has an axe to grind with Dylan McElrath. Yeah, he was still,
0: making
4: he was making Dylan McElrath out to be Earl Campbell.
1: Yeah, I mean,
4: he, he's basically, yeah, he's,
1: you know, he didn't like the pick that we took Cam Fowler when we, you know, we should have, maybe, probably, since he's a power play defenseman, and that's what he is. But he didn't like that. He's been basically calling McElrath just a goon for the last couple of years. So I don't trust Russ on that <laughs> right. evaluations.
2: So, all
0: right. All right, man. Well, all right. All right. On.
2: Okay. All right. Whoa, Talk to you Jim. All right. Good night, guys. Thank you.
1: Ed's old crapper, this old crapper. <laughs> is that the name of this show? This old crapper, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> if, you want, if you want to see somebody skinny who really filled out, look at Mark Messier's, like, rookie card in his, in uh, I think it's a Tops or whatever it is, OPG. Look at him. He's. So skinny, and the guy
4: was a it was a moose. That was the nickname.
1: it's, I mean, you like,
4: know. Uh, it's like Tom Brady. You ever see his co- those combine pictures that went around of Tom Brady? Oh, really? He was another skinny dude. Oh yeah, yeah. Looked like you could you could beat the beat the piss out of him. He looked like a he looked like the, the from the Bazooka Joe. Uh, what was it? What was it Charles Atlas, the kid in the sand, <laughs> <laughs> kicking sand in the with a yeah, girl yeah. in. Right, yeah, that's it, that's it. All right,
1: okay. So Well, that's the end of our show, Jim.
4: Yep, I Jim. think
1: that'll do it. Jim, we'll see you tomorrow night, right. Jim. We'll see you tomorrow night, folks. Thanks for coming out in the chat room and uh, joining us. I also wanted to give, before we end this, a big shout-out to the guys at the HF boards who have been giving both me and you words of encouragement, and uh, they, you know, Everybody here in the chat room and on a Facebook page, but sometimes when you get it from, like, an outside source, it even means more. So you guys rock.
4: All right. Thank you, Ed Jeff Boards. We love you. All right. Good
0: night, everybody.